Well, good morning. Was welcome, welcome, welcome. First, uh, before we introduce our guest speaker, I want to acknowledge somebody, Tatiana Jacobson. Where are you at, Tatiana? Wave your hand there, Tatiana, and stand up real quick. She is a uh, honor to her. Tatiana is the uh, one of the assistant coaches at the University of Georgia track team, and we just wanted to honor her. Last couple of weeks this summer, they were competing in Oregon, and the men won the national championship, and the women finished second for the second year in a row. Is that correct? And uh, so Tatiana's been here two years, and ever since she's been in Athens, we've had nothing but success. So we thank God for, for her. Congratulations, Sue. That's a lot of hard work. And uh, it's a, quite an accomplishment. Congratulations. Well, I am uh, really excited to uh, introduce our guest speaker today, Palmer McCluskey, uh, as someone who I got to get to know really well when he was a student here uh, four, I think, four or five years ago. And, and it was in January. I won't forget this. He sent me an email. And he had just had a, a, just get committed his life to Christ, a very dramatic conversion. He had quite a journey. And um, he said, I want to get together. And so we, I called him right away and we began to meet. And uh, he has just grown by leaps and bounds into a great man of God. When he graduated a couple years ago, he went and spent six months in the mission field in South America and then began to work on his Master's of Divinity at Trinity Seminary, where he's about halfway finished with that degree. And so we are very excited. This is the inaugural sermon of a, of, a, of a man of God who was raised up in our own church, came to Christ here as a student and, uh, and was discipled here and, and grew spiritually and is now uh, beginning a, 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 what's going to be a, a great lifetime of ministry. So what a privilege to have one of our own come and share the Word of God with us. Let's give a great big hand to Palmer McCluskey as he comes up. All right. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you, Lee, for that introduction. Um, yeah, it's it's great to be back in, in Athens. You know, I, I love Athens for many reasons, but two that come to mind are its music scene and Classic City Church. And so I'm, I'm really grateful this weekend to have the opportunity to get to experience both of those things in a very intense way. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Um, I want to begin this morning by sharing something kind of personal with you. Don't worry, it's, it's, it's not too personal. Um, but I, I wanted to, to tell you that for the past, I don't know, six to eight months, I've, been, I've become increasingly aware that I am a person who stutters. And that, that might come as a surprise to some of you who, who knew me when I was a student here. Um, it's, it's really this, this recent thing that has crept up in my life. I, I didn't stutter as a child, didn't stutter in high school. But now in graduate school, when I, I feel like I need fluent speech the most, um, I've increasingly, increasingly noticed this change in my speech to, to where sometimes I, I stutter. And so I, I share that with you for, for two reasons. Um, one, by sharing that with you, I am able to speak more fluently. It, it takes off this, this pressure that, that I, I put on myself to, to be a fluent 
perfectly fluent speaker. Um, and, and the second reason I share that with you is because it actually has to do with our, our passage today. Um, you know, for me, stuttering seems like this huge obstacle in my life right now. Um, it, it seems like this obstacle in, in between me and, and what I feel like God has called me to do, which is to be in ministry of some sort. And, and Lee mentioned that I'm, I'm uh, in divinity school, and one, one quick cl- clarification there is that I'm actually studying counseling um, at, at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Um, but I, I know that I, I'm, I'm going to be in, in ministry of some sort, or, or so I thought. And no matter what kind of ministry I go into, whether that's counseling ministry or pastoral ministry, I know, I know that speech is going to be important to that. And so stuttering seems like this huge obstacle in between me and, and what I believe God has, has called me to do. And we're going to see this morning as, as we look at God's call to Abraham that there were significant obstacles to what God promised Abraham. Um, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that God has promised me that I, I'm going to be a, a fluent speaker or a, a pastor or anything like that. But it's the same idea. That there are, are these obstacles, um, and yet Abraham has faith. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to highlight the, the faith of Abraham in this passage and then we're also going to talk about the faithfulness of God to bring about his promises, his, his promises to redeem humanity. And so uh, before I get into it, I'm just going to pause and, and pray real quickly, and then we'll, we'll get going. So, so Lord, I, I do pray that you would bless this sermon. I, I pray that the words I, I speak would be true. And, and Lord, I, I pray that, that, that you would just be working in our, our hearts this morning. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would increase our faith and that you would show us that, that you want us to participate in your purposes to the world. And I, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, before we get to the passage today, which is in, in Genesis 12, um, I want to run through Genesis 1 to 11 very quickly. And we, we had a sermon a few weeks ago on uh, the, the Tower of Babel, which was given by Alan Goddard. And so I'm, it, it might seem a, a bit like re- review, um, but let's, let's do this. So in Genesis 1 to 2, God creates the entire universe, and it is good. God's creation is good. And we also see that um, he gives human beings meaningful work to do. From the, the very beginning, God gives human beings meaningful work to do as, as, him, as his image bearers on the earth. Um, we read in Genesis 1:28 that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves the ground. And so it's, it's this idea of, of God wanting to use human beings to expand his, his glory so that it, it covers the whole face of the earth. Uh, one way to think about it is God is calling Adam and Eve to, 
to cultivate and, and have dominion over the rest of the earth so that the whole earth is like one giant Garden of Eden, a place where God dwells intimately with man, a, a place where, where, where man and God enjoy this perfect re- re- relationship. Um, and, and so that, that was the, the vision. Um, but in Genesis 3, we, we learned that, that the, the, the story takes a turn. Um, in Genesis 3, we are introduced to sin, um, this, this re- rebellion against God that is introduced to the world. And really from, from chapters 3 to 11, we, we see that the result of sin is death and chaos. Um, in the very next chapter, we, we see the first murder that takes place in, in the Bible. Uh, Cain murders his, his brother Abel. And um, with this death and chaos, we also see some signs of redemption. We, we see some glimmers of hope that God is going to redeem humanity. And we, we primarily see that through this character in the Bible named Noah. And Noah was a man who had faith in God. Um, and God shows signs of redemption by preserving Noah and his family from the flood. And it's, it's interesting that in Genesis 9, chapter 1, um, God tells Noah and his family to be, to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth, which brings to mind that verse that I mentioned earlier in, in Genesis 1, chapter 28. It's, it's like, once again, God wants to somehow use human beings for his, his purposes in the world. Well, in Genesis 11, we actually see the antithesis of that command to go out and, and bring glory to God in the Tower of, of Babel. Uh, we, we see that humanity congregates into one central location, and instead of, of trying to bring glory to God, they, they try to bring glory to themselves. And God, out of his mercy and out of uh, in, in line with his, his purposes for humanity, he actually destroys that tower and spreads the, the humans all over the face of the earth. And so, uh, once, once again, it's, we're, we're, we're left at, at this point in the story where there, there are, are still some lingering questions. Um, and one of those questions is, how will God save these nations, these people that he has just scattered? It's, it's not entirely clear how that is going to come about. You know, I, I, I think of, of an ant mound, um, and maybe this, this isn't the best example, but, but just roll with it. Um, I, I think of an ant mound, and so, so you, you have these, these ants building uh, an ant mound or, or hill, ant pile, as, as we often say. Um, and, and God destroys the, the pile, and, but, and, and now you have a bunch of ants that are scattered everywhere. And so it's, it's, it's not entirely clear how this is going to change anything, how, how this is going to bring about God's re- redemptive purposes. In some ways, it almost seems worse. It seems like maybe the humans will just build a bunch of ant piles all over the earth. Um, and, and so there, there's this question of, of how is God going to redeem humanity? What, what, what is going to happen from here? 
And then the other question is, will there be more people of faith like Noah? Will there be people who believe in God in this pagan world? And will, will God raise up people of faith to, to carry out his redemptive purposes to the world? And so at this point, we come to Genesis 12. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and, and read that passage for us. So Genesis 12 Verses 1 to 4. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So I, I want us to, um, I, I mentioned earlier that the, the two main things that we're going to be looking at today are the faith of Abraham and the faithfulness of God. And so first, let's, let's consider the, the faith of Abraham in this passage. Um, so looking at, at verse 1 here in, in chapter 12, um, we see that God is calling Abram. At, at this point in the story, his, his name is Abram. He, he will later become Abraham. I, I don't think that's, that's too confusing. Um, and God is, is calling him. He's calling him to, to move from one land to another. It's, it's a call to action. And Abraham's faith will be demonstrated by his response to that call. And we, we read in, in verse 4 that Abram went. You know, it's, it's pretty remarkable if you, if you look at this. God calls Abram to go. And then in, in verse 4, we see this simple response. Abram went. Abraham had faith. And this, this faith is, is highlighted even further when we carefully look into this passage and, and, and what's going on here. Um, so, so first of all, the, the call to leave, the call to leave his homeland. Um, so a Abraham came from a semi-nomadic people group, and it wouldn't have been that uncommon for them to, to move around but for him to depart from his father's household, from his homeland, from his inheritance, really highlights the, the faith that he had. Um, it's, in some ways, it's, it's actually pretty countercultural for him to do that. You see, it, it wouldn't have been common for a son to depart from his father's household until he had a son for himself. And we, we know that at this point, Abraham did not have a son. I, I think of, of my roommate at, at school. Um, he's, his name is Mark. Uh, that, that's not his, his real name. That, that's his American name. He's, he's from China. And he really had to go against his culture, against the, the wishes of his parents, in order to fulfill God's call on his life. 
When, when Mark was in college, he, he was saved by a, a ministry called Campus Crusade. And after that, he felt this call to, to ministry. And eventually, he felt the call to move to the United States to, to study theology. And, and Mark's parents just did not understand this at all. To them, it, it made no sense. Why would you borrow money to depart from our family and, and study a, a, about this God that, that we don't even believe in? It, it made no sense to them. And, and yet, yet Mark had faith. He obeyed God's call. And, and so we, we see Abraham's faith highlighted there with his response to the call. Um, his, his faith is highlighted or demonstrated even further when we look at the promises that God gave him in the verses that follow. Um, so first, embedded within that, that first verse that we just read, uh, verse 1, we see the promise of land. God promises Abraham a land. He says he, he will show him this land. And so the, the first obstacle, um, the, the first demonstration of Abraham's faith there is that this land was unknown. Abraham did not know where exactly God was calling him to. And yet he went. And then we'll, we'll see a little bit later on that once they get there, once they arrive to the land, there are Canaanites living in the land. And so th there's another obstacle that is introduced that seems to be getting in the way of the fulfillment of this promise of land. And so that's the first promise. We, we see the promise of land. And, and a lot of the, the drama that will unfold in the Old Testament, in, in especially the first five books of the Old Testament after this, will be how, how, how will this promise be fulfilled? How, how will this promise of land be fulfilled? Um, in the second verse, we, we see the, the promise of descendants. It says, I will make you into a great nation. Um, and, and nation, while it definitely had a political connotation, it also implied biological descendants to some degree. And so the, the obvious obstacle to that is that Abraham's wife, Sarah, is barren, and we learn that in Genesis chapter 11, verse 30. It says that Abraham's wife, was, Sarah, was barren. She had no children. It makes it very clear that, that she was barren. And so once again, we, we see this huge obstacle that, that seems to be getting in the way of, of the fulfillment of God's call to Abraham of this promise of descendants that is given to him. And yet Abraham went. He, he goes. He answers God's call. Now the, the third, third promise is a promise of blessing. A uh, promise of blessing from God so that the nation of Israel will be a blessing to all of the other nations. We read, I will I, I, uh, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so it's, it's this idea of Abraham and, and his descendants having this special re- relationship with God. God will protect them. Uh, God will be faithful to them. They will be blessed by God. And God will also reveal himself to them. And by that, they will become a blessing to all of the nations. But there's also a significant obstacle here, too. Um, we, we read that Abraham has pagan origins. Um, earlier in the book, we're introduced to, to Abraham's father, Terah. And if we do a little bit of research on Terah in the Bible, um, we, we see that he was a pagan. He was an idol maker. And so it seems like such a huge obstacle for a man whose father was an idol maker to, to be the one who will be, whose descendants will be a blessing to all of the nations, who will reveal the one true living God to the nations. And yet, Abraham went. Abraham had faith. He goes. He answers God's call. And so we, we see, um, as, as we've seen, there are three promises, promise of land, promise of descendants, and the promise of blessing. And there seem to be significant obstacles to, to all three of those promises. And yet Abraham goes. And, and through this, we, we see that Abraham's faith is really highlighted here in this passage um, we, we see that despite obstacles, des- despite things that Abraham does not fully understand, Abraham trusts God. He has faith in him. He answers the call. He goes. Now, I've, I'm, I'm definitely trying to highlight a- Abraham's faith here, but I want to be clear that Abraham was not perfect. He was not perfect. He, he has his doubts. We'll see later on in the story that he, at, at some point in the story, he basically uh, turns his wife over to, to Pharaoh because he has doubts about um, God's call. But yet he, he has faith. He, he continues to put one foot in front of the other. Um, he, he answers God's call to his life. And as I've, as, as I've been thinking about this, um, I keep, re- I keep reflecting on how when, when God calls us to himself, when, when we become Christians, there are a lot of unknowns. God, God doesn't tell us, that this is how your Christian life is going to play out. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna to join this church, and at this point, I'm going to help you work through this area of sin. Um, no, it's, it's, it's not like that at all. We are, are to have faith in God and, and trust that he will work out his redemptive purposes. And, and so why, why do we have that kind of faith in God? How, how can we have that kind of faith in God? It's, 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 not, it's not a blind faith. Um, actually, if, if we look back on God's 
uh, redemptive purposes and the, the history of him fulfilling those to the world, we see that God is faithful. God is, is faithful to fulfill his promises. And, and we're going to see that here. Um, we're going to see that here with, with God fulfilling his promises made to Abraham. First, we'll see the, the partial fulfillment of those in the Old Testament. So, so we talked about the promise of, of land. And if, if you've read the, the Old Testament, you know that eventually, um, a- after years of, of wandering through the wilderness, the, the Israelites, the, the descendants of Abraham, eventually do make it into the promised land. Uh, so so that, that promise, in a, in a certain sense, that, that promise is fulfilled in the Old Testament, but as, as we see the, the, the story continue to unfold, um, we, we see that at various times they, they lose possession of the land. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like this, this full fulfillment of, of the promise of land, but, but we do see a, a partial fulfillment of that in the Old Testament. Now for the, the promise of descendants, um, eventually, Sarah does have a son, Isaac, and, and then Isaac will have a son named Jacob. And so from Abraham will come descendants, and eventually they, they will form a, a, a nation. Um, but still, even this partial fulfillment uh, leaves, leaves much to be desired. It, it doesn't seem like, like the, the full fulfillment of, of what God promised Abraham, especially if, if we look back and we see that at one point God promises Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And so we, we see a partial fulfillment of that in the Old Testament, but, but not a complete fulfillment. And thirdly, for blessing, we, we, we see that the nation of Israel and its prophets will bring about a special revelation of God to the ancient world. Um, they, they will be a blessing to the ancient world to some extent. They, they will influence the ancient world, and from them will, will come monotheism, the, the, the belief in, in, in the one true God. But we, we don't quite see the, the full fulfillment of, of what was promised here. There, there's still much to, to be desired. But the story doesn't end there. Um, the story does not end there. And, and, and we have a, a sense that Abraham too had, a, had, had this um, vision that, that God was up to something much bigger than, than just these promises given here. Um, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that, that Abraham was actually looking towards the, the city of God. He, he had this, this vision of, of God doing something, of, of God redeeming humanity in, in, a, in, in, a, in a more powerful way than is even given through the, the promises uh, that, that God gives him. Um, and so... That brings us to the New Testament. That brings us to Jesus. We're going to see that Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham and 
of Abraham's call to faith. Uh, There's a a pastor in the south side of of Chicago that I I really like to listen to these days. His his name is is the Dr. Reverend Charlie Dates. And he's this wonderful preacher. Um, He he preaches at at Progressive Baptist Church on the south side of Chicago. And and in a lot of his sermons, he he gives this wonderful tagline, and it, it goes like this. There ain't never been nobody like Jesus. If, if, if there's one thing that, that you remember from this sermon, let it be that. There ain't never been nobody like Jesus. Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. We, we see that in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, that this, uh, this connection is clearly made between Jesus being a descendant of of Abraham. And he is born of the Virgin Mary, which brings to mind the barrenness of Sarah. Shows that that God can bring about his redemptive purposes to the world, no matter how big the obstacle may seem. God is able to bring about his redemptive purposes to the world. God is faithful. And Jesus is the blessing to all of the nations, the blessing that that was talked about in in God's call to Abraham. Jesus himself is that blessing. Um, The the gospel, the the good news of of his life, death, and resurrection is the blessing to all the nations. And, And there is no obstacle that could ever get in the way of the gospel. The, the gospel is powerful. It overcomes obstacles. I, I recently um, read this book by a guy named uh, J. Riley Case, and it's called The, the Unpredictable Gospel. And, and basically, the, the premise of the book is that the gospel, throughout history, the gospel has spread all, all over the earth in very unpredictable ways. Um, we're, we're often told about the gospel spreading through this imperialistic way of, of the Western world and imposing its re- religious values onto the, the Eastern world. But he, he carefully looks, uh, in, in particular, at the evangelical uh, mission movement of, of the, the, the 20th century, and he shows how the gospel spreads in powerful ways, um, how it's, it's, it's not this, this power dynamic of a, a powerful people imposing their values on, onto a, a less powerful people, but instead the gospel actually spreads most quickly when, it is, um, when, when the, the ones spreading it are without power, um, when the, 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 one, the, the ones sharing the gospel are the ones who do, do not have as much power. And, and so there is, is no obstacle that is, is too great for the, the spread of the gospel to all the nations. And I, I, think, I think for us, that, that has a profound significance. You know, we're, we're, we're living in a time when people are talking about how um, we, we should be so concerned about the 
the future of, of our, our country and of, of uh, Christianity in America. But if, if we look back on history, um, all the way to the first century, we, we see that the gospel has always thrived in the most unlikely circumstances. That, um, you know, in, in the, the, the followers of, of, of Jesus were living in a pluralistic society, and yet the gospel spread rapidly. And so I, I think that should give us hope, um, that there is, is no obstacle too great for God to carry out his redemptive purposes to the world. Um, and so that is the, the, the blessing to all the nations that is fulfilled. And the, the third promise was the promise of land. And that is a promise that we are still waiting on the, the full fulfillment of. But we are promised this true promised land, this new creation, where we will dwell with God in resurrected bodies for all of eternity. It's, it's uh, this return to Eden, that, that vision that, that, that God gave us in, in Genesis 1, of, of us dwelling with him in, in, in a very intimate way and of there being meaningful work for us to carry out. Um, and so that, that is a blessing that, that we are still hoping for. That, that is our hope as Christians, to, to one day live in, in the true promised land of, of new creation. So... We, we see through all of this that, that God is faithful. Abraham has faith, and it's, it's, not, it's not a blind faith. Um, it's, 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 it's a faith in a God who truly is faithful. And, and we also see that Jesus himself is the ultimate example of, of living a faithful God, of, of living a faithful life, in carrying out God's redemptive purposes to the world. We see that Jesus perfectly fulfills God's, the Father's mission for him to, to bear the cross and to, to take on the sin of the world. And, and so Jesus, in a sense, Jesus is also the, the perfect fulfillment of faith, of, of what it means to carry out God the Father's purposes for you on, on earth. Um, and so I, I want to I leave us with a word of encouragement. Um, so so the, the book of, of Hebrews in chapter 11 uh, really follows a similar model of, of what I just gave you, of, of highlighting the faith of a, a person in the Bible um, it, it talks about Abraham and the faith of Abraham. And then it talks about how they were looking forward to something greater than the promises that were given to them. And I, I just want to I, I wanna leave you with uh, these verses from Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 to 2. 
It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses like Abraham, let us run with perseverance the race marked before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, at, at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppositions from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We are to behold the glory of Jesus, the, the, the uh, ultimate revelation of the faithfulness of God and what it means to carry out God's redemptive purposes to the world. We are to live our lives in a way that reflects our faith in him. We are to run the, the race well, the, the race of life. We are to run that race with, with faith, with a, a bold faith, a, a, a faith like Abraham, a, a faith that, that sees past the, the obstacles, um, the, these situations, the, these circumstances of, of uncertainty that are put before us, we, we are to be bold in our faith. And by that, we, we too can be a blessing to all of the nations, to be used for God's redemptive purposes, and to show people the, the power and the faithfulness of the one true God of Israel. And so I, I just wanna, I wanna leave you with that. Um, and I, I just challenge you to, to consider the, the faith of Abraham, of, of how he demonstrated faith despite these, these obstacles that, that seemed to, to get in the way of, um, of, of what he believed that, that God was calling him to do. He, he still had faith. And because he was faithful to God's call on his life, he was used by God to carry out his redemptive purposes. And I, I, I just so want us to all be a part of that, to, to participate in God's redemptive purposes to the world, um, to, to be a people of faith who, who show the world the, the power and, and the faithfulness of God. And so with, with that, I'm going to close us in prayer. So Lord, I, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for people like Abraham who exemplify to us what it means to, to live a life of faith. And Lord, I, I pray that you would increase our faith. Lord, I, I pray that, that, that we could live lives of, of faithful obedience to you so, so that we can be used by you in your purposes to the world. And Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for how, as, as we look back at the promises given to Abraham, how we just so clearly see your faithfulness. God, you are faithful. You are the worthy recipient of our faith. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would be glorified in our lives. 
and, and that we would come here from this place and live lives that, that are full of bold faith like Abraham, that, that we would glorify you with our lives and be used by you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in his purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.